Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 220 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. Carrick, are you doing well, my friend? Indeed. Busy. Good. Busy. Good type of busy. Yeah, I, I have definitely, yeah. uh, I definitely overworked myself last week. <laughs> it, it got to the point where I definitely, like, had to take a day or two away from the screen. Um, had to shut down the streaming operation a little bit as well. Um, it's just it's it's just that time of year where it's so fun that you get lost in your work. Yep. And then you're like, oh shit, I have to be a human. <laughs> so it's it's been I think a, it's, a lot of fun, but just a lot of work. I think it's pretty easy to um it's, to not really realize how many hours you've worked in a row. And then mm-hmm. a couple of days ago, I looked and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I should probably take a day off. Yeah, yeah, that's what. I haven't streamed since last Thursday because, like I said, you know that's kind of that extra thing I do that sometimes pushes it over the top. And I think I streamed; it was like yeah, last Thursday, I want to say. And uh, you could like tell it was low energy. And I was like, "Look, guys, I gotta." <laughs> I was like, "I gotta go just yeah. chill." <laughs> and you know what? I mean, I don't know if anybody. I'm sure nobody leaves you because of low energy. But I think it's actually better when a Twitch streamer just says it. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's the thing. Hey, you know I'm what? Not, yeah, it's I, not working for me. Yeah, and that's why I tell people that. I'm like, hey, if I don't even say it to bitch. I'm just like, yeah, not just not feeling hot, and it's okay. I'm not, like, burning out. I'm just I, – I overworked myself. You know, we got it a boss who taps you on the shoulder. People would think, like, somebody like you or me are just always up. Admittedly, uh, we are high energy, but there's mm-hmm. days where you're high energy, but you're not really high social energy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where, like, you could work on your own, but you don't really want to talk to anybody. But you could do your yeah. own stuff. And that's Twitch. You have to be, I mean, at least somewhat engaged all the time. And it can be uncomfortable for a while. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's it's funny you mentioned that because sometimes, like, I'll, I'll be talking to the mic all day that I won't want to talk afterwards. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's, like, right. it's almost like I you're resting voice your voice, right, Maddie? Yeah, you're just like, <laughs> I'm not going to talk to anybody. Sigh language yeah. to get, you know, burgers from your <laughs> mom at that. night and shit. No, it's actually <laughs> funny you mentioned that, the resting your voice, because I'm not like a voice actor where I'm, like, straining it. But, like, sometimes I'll hit words a little bit harder. Like, when I do a salutations, it's like a sell and, like, I'll ugh. Yeah and, and, yeah, and I'll yeah. scrape my voice every time, and like twenty takes later, you're like, "Oh fuck, it's killing yep. me now." <laughs> Just a little insight, ladies and gentlemen, on what we go through. Anyway, uh, Carrick, any plans for the future? Uh, just surge two, and then um, uh, I'm doing a new series called Walking the Walk My Walk, which is basically like the Walking the Walks, but it's all about YouTube, and it starts the day I started YouTube, the day I got laid off. Mm-hmm. And it's just podcast. It's just on Anchor. Nice. And it's um, it's just going to be in multiple parts and stupid stories. Um, I like that. Like about the time where it looked like I was jacking off during the Jurassic Park Lego <laughs> premiere at GDC. Just stupid stories of stuff that Cadiz and I and everybody went through. And I'm just going through my list. I'm like looking at the r- videos that correspond to moving forward through the time frame. And right. I'm like, oh, I, I remember a funny story and just explaining to people all the difficult like difficulties or fun stuff and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's been it's been a blast to do. That's awesome. Yeah, for me, uh, I'm also playing the surge too. Or I'm going to be playing the surge too. Uh, I'm not gonna have a full review like you. You got your code a little early. I got mine five days early. Um, but I've been still bouncing between Greedfall and Borderlands Three. Borderlands Three we'll get into in our first topic. But let me just tell you that game has uh, has not treated me well. So I've been <laughs> getting through both those Bug, three reviews, bugs, right? I think oh, I saw your goodness. tweets, bugs. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, we'll get into it. But uh, yeah, a lot of bugs. 
Um, so I've been trying to get those done before I commit to another game, but I'll have impressions for the Surge 2 out. Uh, other than that, uh, no substantial plans, just cruising on along here, uh, looking forward to the Outer Worlds mostly. That's kind of the next game I have my sights on. Um, and we'll talk later in the show as well about uh, what other games we're most anticipating this fall. But uh, with that out of the way, uh, do keep in mind if you want to support the show, get early access, and have your patron questions tie into the show, um, you can go ahead and sign up for just a dollar and you get access to everything you need for this show. Like I said, early access. Um, you can ping me a message and I can give you a, a Discord invite. Sometimes it automatically integrates. Uh, sometimes it does not. You just got to let me know. Um, and it'll, it, I'm very easy to get into contact with. So uh, with that all out of the way now, let's get into it, Carrick. Starting off with Borderlands 3, it gets it, or rather, it is getting its first limited event details. This is Bloody Harvest. So the following information comes from GamesRadar.com. Gearbox has announced today fresh details for Borderlands 3's Bloody Harvest Halloween event, which will take place in the recent, recently released looter shooter for a limited time next month from a yet-to-be-announced date. Um, it will be available for anyone who's completed the first act of Borderlands 3, as haunted enemies will begin, begin to appear across the galaxy, able to inflict players with a new terror debuff, restricting their vision and gun handling. Uh, kill enough of these haunted enemies, however, and your Vault Hunter will eventually unlock access to a new event-specific map, which promises spooky rewards to add to the list of the best Borderlands legendaries already in the game so far. Another NPC, Maurice, will also be showing up on Sanctuary 3 for the event. As your go-to vendor, the Bloody Harvest new Hectoplasm currency dropped by haunted enemies and used to purchase limited-time loot. Um, the Bloody mm. Harvest map features Racco Lanterns, I like that name, Molly Wan, Lackeys, and more, culminating with a boss fight against Captain Haunt. Uh, so, for those who don't know, mm. there's a boss fight, Captain Tron, so I'm guessing this will take us to Athenus. Yeah. Um, a Halloween-themed remix of Borderlands 3's Captain Tron. I'm sorry, I should have just read a little bit further. <laughs> uh, on top of all this, the limited-time event will provide players the opportunity to acquire a new Echo Device skin, weapon trinket skin, and outfit for each of the four Vault Hunters. Uh, and that, that's pretty much it for that. They also mentioned that they included a brand new golden key that's actually available till Sunday. So if you're listening now, you missed out on the new uh, shift codes, um, you can go ahead and pound one in and get some golden keys to get more loot in Borderlands 3. Um, we'll start off with the news and get into Borderlands 3 in general, now that we've, I think, both had time to play it a little bit more. Carrick. Uh, what do you think of the idea of a Halloween event? It's free, by the way. I don't know if that was mentioned at all, but um, a Halloween event that gives new skins, trinkets, a new boss, new new enemy names, I guess. Uh, just a nice Halloween-themed thing. What are your thoughts? I'm a sucker for it. Yeah. I'm a complete sucker. I'm a sucker for it in MMOs, and I did Sega Saturn. There was a game called Knights, and if you changed your date on your Saturn to Christmas or Halloween, it would change the entire world to Christmas graphics or to Halloween graphics. Mm -hmm. um, any of that kind of stuff, I actually really dig. I think the big thing is, is will, when it, when the time frame passes, can you, you'll keep the stuff, but does that just mean you won't be able to like fight that guy anymore? Tront will be there, but he won't be haunt, I guess. So, so, so it really is like that date or whatever. And yeah, then it's that like going back to time. Hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Which, I mean, I don't know. I've always liked that. I, I know some people have gripes with it. 
I even said it with Fallout 76 because that's the only game that comes to mind that I've played recently with limited time events. And I've always said that, you know, this type of stuff is almost like a a badge of honor that you put on your character to show, like, what, how long you've been playing, what events you've been through. It's something that you can show off. I've I've always liked that, personally. Um, I like the idea as well. I am a sucker for the holiday stuff. Uh, Much like you, I have the memory of a a game when I was younger that did, uh, if you change the time to Christmas as well, uh, it was the original Ninja Turtles game by Konami on, like, the PS2 Mm -hmm. and Xbox if you changed it to Christmas, your character would have a Santa hat on. It was just a little thing, but I remember getting the game on Christmas, uh, and and when I put it in, they had the Christmas hat, and then the next day I played, they did not, and I just thought that was the coolest thing. So I like that games are in the holiday spirit. I think it's fun. Uh, it reminds me of Overwatch as well. Overwatch was one of those games that was very on top of its its holidays, the the coming and going of seasons, and so... I personally appreciated that. I, I like that. So I'm happy to see Borderlands 3 is getting free content already. Um, we did know this al- already. They announced it, I think, just before the game was released. They did, just before the game was released, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's still going to be a- another free update, which they have not talked about, for uh, November, which I believe will be Thanksgiving-themed. Um, and then there will be the first piece of actual paid content at the end of the year, presumably in December. So uh, for the next... Total of four months when you you count September, October, November, and December, you'll have something new in Borderlands. So you're definitely going to get your money's worth. The the base game is pretty meaty. Um, have you had a chance to play any more of it since we last talked? Yeah, um, I would say I think I'm on the last planet, and okay. um, then and and gone back did some more co-op. Um, I don't remember how many hours because that would have been Friday we talked. I did play a lot of Saturday and Sunday, so yeah, I'd probably put another eight to 15 hours in it okay i think yeah and are you liking it anymore you care for it um yeah i mean it's one of those games i actually saw another reviewer say it's hard to uh it's a little bit hard to recommend it because there are issues and i can Mm -hmm. i I can definitely see some people having that luckily i haven't had i've had weird bugs for sure um but overall (laughs) When it comes to like the combat and stuff and some of the guns, I really dig them. I do wish the game was harder because you said when prior to the podcast last Friday, you said something like it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And I it had dawned on me when you said that. I was like, whoa, weird. It is pretty easy. And then I played all day Saturday and Sunday and I died a total of four times. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not 100% sure this is balanced right because I was... It was ridiculous, and so there's some issues with balance, for sure. But overall, it's more Borderlands. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, what can you say? Yeah. Yeah, for me, I I probably would be a little further. Uh, My friends and I played, out of the last three nights in total from, as we record this, we played two of them. One of them was extensive. The other was about two hours. Um, And we took a break the third night just because, like I kind of alluded to in the intro here, my my Borderlands 3 playthrough has been really buggy. Really, really buggy. I'm talking I've fallen through the map, uh, quest markers don't work, and I'm talking like you'll set a marker and it'll take you to the wrong one. Um, Bosses glitching, um, pathfinding AI glitching, just lots of stuff not working and having to reset lobbies having to leave the game having to reset the entire application um 
and it's it's a real shame because it's really converting into one of the most disappointing games I've played this year because of that. And everyone knows who's listening to this. I mean, let's start off with the fact that I built my channel on BGS games. I have a very high tolerance for bugs, a very high tolerance. And I'll be the first to tell people, you know, I never had a super buggy experience outside of 76 with the BGS game, but their games are still buggy, still have some jank. And and I'm just a little more forgiving of jank. That's one of my things. You guys know that, for example, with Greedfall, um, but holy smokes, man, like this game needed a little extra time for sure. It, it, it does not run well for me, frame dropping sometimes. Um, and it just makes, because it doesn't run that well, it makes me hone in. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You hone in on yep. those other problems with the game a little harder now. Like the story, if it sucked, but the gameplay was fine, the game ran well, I wouldn't care. But now I can't stand that the story sucks because the gameplay has become insufferable for me because of how poorly the game runs. I'm playing on a base PS4, by the way, which um, I don't think that should be an issue because it's struggling even worse on PS4 Pros from what I've read, Um, depending on which mode you play. Uh, Some people are saying performance mode actually runs worse, which is really weird. Um, But yeah, man, I've just struggled to have fun with this game because, like I said, the, the, the gameplay... Uh, is constantly dragging itself, and then the story beats have been just not good. Which, you know, whatever. I don't play Borderlands for the story, but like I said, you hone in on that a little bit more. Um, And and so I had to take a break from it. Also because in the last 15 minutes of that final session, it was just like frame-dropping, chaotic explosions, numbers everywhere. And have you ever had a game that had so much happen on screen at once? You're you, like, you actually got a headache and you had to oh, step sure. away. Absolutely. Absolutely. First time it's ever happened to me, Borderlands three. And I was like, that was a lot. Like I actually feel really weird after that. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta put the controller down. I have to step away at the, like, re- I had to literally rest my head. Um, and that won't factor into my review, but I'll say that's the first time a game has given me like a physical fucking ailment because of all the shit happening. Um, and I, that was weird. And I don't want to act like this is an awful game because underneath it all, uh, Borderlands three is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. There's a reason I'm still playing it. Right. Obviously I want to finish my review, but, um, when you're cycling those guns and questing, it's fun. I'll say it's considerably less funny. Um, the, the writing is is garbage and it just shows that with borderlands 2 even more so things were just like working perfectly with that game you know i had the great loop it had a really good story it was hilarious but then again my sense of humor is more sarcasm based um i do have an immature sense of humor at times so you think borderlands 3's like constant fart and poop jokes would synchronize with my my ass pretty well pardon the pun but uh yeah it, it never it has not hit with me i have not really uh, laughed at this game outside of once or twice. Um, I thought Captain Trot was funny enough. We just mentioned him for the Halloween Easter egg free update thing. And uh, he was pretty funny just because of his tone. But yeah, man, it, it that game has just not been landing for me, which really sucks to say. Everyone knows based off how much I covered it, you know, when it was just unannounced, mere rumor. Um, it is It is really disappointing me. I don't think people, I mean, I don't think people get it that like a bug or especially performance issues. First of all, yes, I've gotten, I, I, I'm susceptible a little bit more than you far more probably for like motion sickness. So when shit's exploding on screen and stuff, um, depending on what I'm doing, it can definitely make me ill. Uh, this game, 
because I am alone a lot of the time, there's a little less exploding because it's just like me killing one guy mm-hmm. and then, you know, but you still get it. Um, but people don't realize that like performance impacts gameplay. I've had people get all over me for saying a game's got really bad performance. They're like, well, it's still fun. Yeah, it can be. But if your timing's off, um, if a headshot's hard to make because it drops from 25 to 30 frames per second and bounces back and forth, that'll that'll make the shooting feel less satisfying. Mm-hmm. And this game definitely has a, definitely has an issue. If you lock it, if you use performance mode on the X or on the uh, PS4 and the Xbox, it vacillates a lot. But if you go to the resolution mode, it then is almost always like sub thirty. So you really can't get it perfect. Luckily, I'm on the PC. Even then, I've it doesn't PCS. run as well as it should. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't run as well as it should. It runs well because I can brute force it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't run well, as well as it should. You can see it. Like, just through the I sheer would, power of your rig, you mean, right? Like just Yeah, so you'll see, like, 60 frames per second. You'll see that you hover around 80. Like, let's say if you're hitting 90, most games, they go and optimize every location so that you pretty much stay at 90. You don't want to see drops to 70, because that means if you also kill people and it's dropping to 70, it could drop to 50. So what you're hoping for is like a floor and there's not a lot of floors in that game. It reminded me of Remnant that way where I was like, it was just, it was up and down and up and down. And, um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I, I had some bugs luckily. And from what I understand, co-op and multiplayer is distinctly more buggy than yeah, single player. That's what I'm sort of down. Yeah, and I had some big bugs single player. So the, to me, all I can say is, if I had those bugs single player, my assumption is the experiences you had and other people I've talked to are pretty much right in line if you just double, triple, and quadruple the amount of things going on on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes sense, right? There's a lot more going on underneath the hood. You, get, yep. you put, I'm playing with a four-player squad. You put that many people in there doing their own thing, managing their own inventory, that's a lot of data that has to be streamed, a lot of effects on screen. I mean, there's a lot happening in this game. Um, it, it's just that... Uh, it, I guess it sort of ties into like what I said where I was like, wow, I felt physically ill after that, where it's like, if that's a side effect, maybe tone that down because it's not helping anything, at least in my case. I don't yeah. know if anyone shares yeah. that. I won't speak for everybody, but from my perspective, that helped nothing with the experience. And if you tone that down and the game also runs better, then it's a win-win. Um, yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of people, the issue with complaining about performance and bugs a lot of the time is, oh, I'll just get this game when it's patched in on sale. And it's like, yes, that can invalidate a lot of the criticism of the game. But at the same point, it's, I guess, for me, it will never change that first playthrough, right? You know, that first playthrough that's been just really trashy for me. Um, well, and I don't, I, I, I think, I, I think whatever date you say your impression it's 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 only going to be invalidated later, not from mm-hmm. the day you say it. So if you're having those performance issues right now, that's completely 100% valid. Nobody can argue that. Yeah. Um, it's like scientifically proven. However, later on, yeah, if they patch it, that's great and everything. But it, it, like you said, the fact of so many games coming out, are you going to have the time to return to it? Are you going to want to? If it was a rough experience, no. are you like, was there enough stuff? If the story wasn't hitting you, then maybe you'll be like, eh, maybe I don't want to return. I will say, I haven't even noticed a joke in the game. I'm That's not bad. Lying. <laughs> I guess That's so, because you everybody's talked about like the humor didn't hit, and I've been playing the game and paying attention to the story, and I haven't even seen a, like, what would the term, like a something funny, but probably because my sarcasm is way above board. 
But like stuff happens, somebody does something stupid and I shoot them and then I move on. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm just not bought in enough to care, I, I guess. I, I don't know. I wouldn't say that because I feel like with Borderlands 2, the reason that a lot of people thought that game was funny and I attest to that because I replayed it this year. I replayed the entire Borderlands series in anticipation for this game. Like, that's the thing, man. I don't remember. I did that for Fallout 4. Not saying my hype level was that, but, like, that's... I have not done that specifically for a game. I yeah, repl- right. I played Game of the Year Edition for Borderlands 1. I replayed pre-sequel, pre-sequel, did a review for that. And then in my own personal time, I replayed 2. And 2 still stands up as funny. And I think it's because they just were a little more all over the place with it. With three, there's a consistency of, like, making a shit joke or, like, a fart joke. And it's like, okay, like, if you pace that out, that's funny because it's like, oh, it's just childish. And that's fine. Like, I don't mind that humor. I think it's hilarious sometimes. Not in this game, but I'm saying in general. I'm a very easy target for that level of humor. And sometimes just game humor in general is hard to do. But with Borderlands 2, there was just that level of sarcasm that sort of whatever personality, like Handsome Jack just paying you to go kill yourself. And it's, like, fucked up, but that's kind of why it's funny. Like, there was a level of dark humor in Borderlands 2 that's completely missing in 3. And all the dark parts are saved for more serious storytelling delivery moments. And I just feel like it took itself serious in the wrong areas, and where it tried to deliver a joke, it was trying too hard almost. It's really weird. I never expected to be saying that. Yeah, it, mu- it, it yeah it must be bad because I I legit don't even I, I I can't even remember a fart joke like I I don't know if I don't pay attention to it and that's mm-hmm. the issue or what but um it's like for I example you're, say, you're walking through sorry I don't mean to interrupt you but you're walking through I think no, it's like a, a prison area and you can hear Tyreen and Troy like on the intercom messing around yelling stuff and they're talking about like pooping and whatnot and I'm just like really <laughs> like why oh, I man? guess they are. Yeah, and and there's multiple instances of stuff along those lines throughout the whole game, and I don't think PC Gamer's review thus far in the the terms of its writing was was that far off, which I'm a little shocked to say. Yeah, I I, I guess they, yeah, I guess I do remember some of that stuff. It just, Mm -hmm. yeah, it hasn't really hit me. Overall, it's been, um, but admittedly, I was not a fan of one or two's story. I wasn't a fan of one or two overall as games. I just haven't really loved Borderlands. I didn't hate them. That's anything. fine, though. I just, yeah. um, so with this one, um, I probably haven't really been putting too much of a focus on it. It's it, it The open world thing, I really like. I do believe, solidly right. believe, that the desert absolutely needs or needed to have been removed from the game. Pandora, in the beginning? Pandora is horrendous. And... It's so horrendous as a, as a starting area that I remember getting done and almost couldn't force myself to get to the f- ship because I was so bored with desert and borderlands. And then yeah. once I got onto the first planet, I was like, okay, now I'm actually interested because it was so mm-hmm. redundant feeling compared to e- like everything felt like it was just borderlands. It didn't even feel like borderlands three at that point. It was just, to me, it felt like, you could have said, what Borderlands are you playing? I wouldn't have known. Oh, dude, and then you get on the ship, on, on Pandora, then it was better. And, and people on stream were like, are you playing two right now? And I know they were kind of being jackasses, but yeah, I think there was a little bit of validity to like the... Because Cell Shaded can look similar. There is a lot... It's, it's significantly better looking, but 
it's like they're they're significantly gotta, better looking. Yeah, yeah. But but it's like their joke could have some validity to it because it's like you're on they should have just made the like, oh. they they should have just made the first planet be somewhere. I I would have had no problem with Pandora being one of the locations. I just yeah. feel that as a starting location, it's not at all yes. a good look for your game. I said um, that in my preview, and I was curious how it would weigh out when I when I had the full game, and I was I feel I was on the money with it because I completely agree that. Pandora would have been cool if you returned to it yeah. um, for a significant moment in the story. And on paper, I can understand why they said start off on Pandora and then expand, right? Like start with what's familiar, get them, get their feet wet, I guess, and then expand. But what happens is during this whole promotional cycle, you're talking about going to different planets and whatnot. And I, I think that's what people were excited for. And when you have to wait for that thing you're excited for, that hurts uh, the game's reception a little bit. People are still having a blast, which is good. Uh, yep. I think a lot of people don't care because it's just like, what's the next shooting gallery? Is it pretty? Uh, which pretty much every location, I'd say, outside of Pandora, because Pandora doesn't have that wow effect. Yeah. Um, it's just desert. Whereas Promethea, you know, ha- you have this bustling city with like flying cars, and Athenis is, is very like uh, Asian inspired, which is excellent. Um, they all feel very distinct and different, and and in turn interesting uh i love the locales in this game they're they're so fun to explore but outside of that yeah the gameplay's good um it's just man i wish this game ran better i I don't want to even think of being extra just it takes a lot for me to (laughs) to say to my friends and i during a co-op game which you know we rarely have a chance to play together to go let's take a break and play something else tonight like very rarely does that type of grind stop. I also uh, had a weird issue. Really weird. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a bug, um, but I ended up I'm still I'm level twenty and mm-hmm. I'm still carrying a level four legendary. That really you must have gotten one yeah, of the best legendaries in the game. <laughs> I'm I guess because so I have That's all possible. legendaries in my weapons and I have something the butcher. It's called the it's got the butcher in the name and mm. uh, it's a shotgun. Doesn't sound familiar. Very powerful shotgun, but every time I've switched out from that gun to any other gun, I've mm-hmm. died pretty... Like, those were the four times I died. Like, I switched out, and I'm like, uh, any shotgun I chose, any other gun, it just didn't work in the cycle of weapons I chose. And, huh. I, and I'm killing... So, like, I killed the boss that everybody said was a good boss. Um, the first boss fight, I believe. Uh, so first, the electrical, first. the electrical guy, the dubstep boss. Oh, oh, mouthpiece. I, 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 think. I killed that guy in probably nine seconds. It couldn't have been more than nine seconds. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. It was like boom, 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 boom. He went invulnerable. Boom, 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 dead. It was, it was redonk. So yeah, then the I went to the other. Crazy. Yeah, and I, that, and that was one of the things that I've noticed with the, these particular weapons is I have stopped now grabbing weapons completely. And I that's... don't think that that's the way Borderlands should work. But unless it's legendary, I now completely well, never look at it. I will say this much. Um, if you have very good legendaries, at least from my experience with 1 and 2, more specifically one game of the year edition there was this revolver i had i think it was called like violence or or something someone will correct me uh but it was a revolver that i had from level nine and at the end game i was still using it because it was that good and i think that's what makes the legendary special 
Um, I will say this much, though. In Borderlands 3, apparently they're knocking down the legendary drop rate, which I found I heard that, a yeah. little disappointing because I've been very fortunate to have gotten a lot of legendary guns, and I found that very satisfying. And I don't think it hurts the game because what happens is I may have a level 20 legendary that's great, but come the end game, I want a level 50 version of that gun. So I'm going to go back, grind it, and I want the drop rate to be high so I can get it and then use it for the rest of my experience. That type of stuff is awesome. Um, so yeah, I was a little disappointed to read that, but I will say that what I was getting at is I would have the legendary, like the Expert Storm, which is this sniper rifle that you shoot, and it, it does a big electrical explosion. If you have the electric variant, there's also a fire variant, which which like rains fireballs, which is cool. But once the electric shield thing explodes a bunch of electric balls will surround that shield and just hone in on the target that's in the middle. And initially it did a lot of damage, but now it doesn't do any damage really. It's just good for taking out shields. So there are some legendaries that age well. Like I have a, uh, I think it was from the same boss who dropped it. I have an SMG. I forgot what it's called, but it shoots four bullets at once that are cryo and it shoots them in bursts. And it's got a very fast rate of fire and a quick reload speed. So I'm just flying through clips doing tons of damage, especially as Flack, I'm doing a crit build for him, so when I land a crit with four different bullets at someone's head, I'm doing, like, insane damage, uh, and that's a weapon I've had since, like, level 18 or something, and I'm level 29 now, so that one stuck with me, so legendaries do tend to stick with you longer, um, Good. but in the okay. terms of not cycling out weapons as much, that's, that's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I just stopped. Um, I legit the last like six hours I played. I don't think I grabbed a single weapon. You definitely just, stick unless with it was legendary. Now. I just um, if it was if it was purple or whatever, I'd just be like, eh, it's probably not as good as this, and mm. I just moved on. Now there might have been one that was better, and I just missed it. But I for the hours prior to that, I was looking and I was doing that thing where you're collecting all the guns. The inventory sucks in that game. Well, you yeah, can't compare all the load. Yep, you can't compare with one button. It feels like it's from 1980. And I'm sitting there in that inventory clicking on this button, then this one, and then comparing them, then mm -hmm. hitting escape so that I can compare a different gun. And finally, I, ju I just gave up. I was like, fuck it. This gun's good. It's really and weird how the, how my, the HUD got worse. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what's going on there. I just know that, so, like, like, yeah, a month. It would have been, I just feel like a month would have... That's what I'm saying. It, well, I don't know if they would have added a compare button, which is my biggest actual gripe of the game, but um, or one of my biggest, but they probably would have adjusted some of the drops, and hopefully this legendary I got, a bunch of people didn't, because I do find I'm enjoying it a little less because the loot is a main part of the game, and I got an acid gun that doesn't run out of bullets, a fire gun that doesn't run out of bullets, and this shotgun... All of them legendary. The shotgun's the only one that requires bullets. You know how they the ones heat up yeah, yeah. and then cool down? But what's funny is, by the time I get to the second clip of the ones that heat up, the first one's already cooled down. So I just continually use my scroll button mm -hmm. and just go from weapon to weapon. In fact, I would say I haven't looked at what type of damage I've been doing to enemies for the last two times I've played. I just literally just go and then switch and then switch and if and one of them's bound to hurt them, mm -hmm. and, and and that's it. I my acid gun, you throw it blows up or turns into like a turret. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't even other than a little bit of acid damage, I don't even really know like what that's doing. The fire one's good. The fire one's awesome just because it it's got such a high percentage of fire chance mm -hmm. that 
if you fire just a couple shots, your chance is almost 100% of lighting somebody on fire. And, yeah. you know, there are there are some enemies, of course, that ignore that. And then with the, I'm the guy, the fucking robot dude. Oh, you're the, Flack as well. The pet wrangler. Well, the pet wrangler, yeah, Flack. So Flack can switch to turn his animals into different elements. So I've got the firebirds, but you can also, as a, as a special, but you can also cha- change it to cryo. So now if I do face somebody who is weak to ice, I just hit the button and those guys just ruin him. So it's mm-hmm. just, Especially I don't know, the challenge. Beastmaster upgrades, they, they do a lot of damage. Yeah, which I believe is what I'm doing. Yeah, I think that's one of the big problems is I just require a little bit more difficulty. I would really like a hard mode in this game. I feel it's one of the biggest missing elements of this game is the ability to crank up the difficulty just a tiny bit. Um, I think it would engage me a lot more. I know that I need to be like paying attention and in that game i would be talking to people at my house and just be like yeah so anyway as i'm just like not even really looking and doing this with the guns so yeah but it's got some some problems something i've liked with borderlands is i don't want to say it's mindless like you have to pay attention to enemy weaknesses but i've always liked that you can get to that point of just god moding people and and shredding through them yeah i just wish Um, it took me longer yeah i get that for me i see i think it's how we built because i built the crit for Beastmaster, and it took a while to really see the effects of my weapon damage uh-huh. buffs, of my crit buffs, because one of them, you get a buff if you kill a badass enemy, but eventually I wasn't doing enough damage to finish off the badass enemies in a group of four, by the way, so, you know, we had a ton of p- people shooting at them, so eventually, right. like, you know, I had to, it was a longer curve, so for me, once I hit that power curve, and I was like, wow, like, now I'm really kicking ass, like, it felt satisfying, which is why when I think of Borderlands 3, I think of, like, the locales, the gunplay, and I think yeah. of it fondly. And that's why it's so frustrating with these bugs. And, and like you said, the like, compare button, Greedfall also missing one, really strange there. Uh-oh. Yeah, I don't like, know what's going on with these games that yeah. are about gre- They're about loot. Yeah, and, and, and the, the HUD being very good in 2, very simple, and in, in 3... Uh, the, the small text is being adjusted, thank God. I usually don't have a problem with that outside of The Witcher 3. That was a big turnoff for me in The Witcher 3 initially before they patched it. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that they're, they're looking into that. But Borderlands 3, I mean, if you guys remember, um, if you watch the streams or uh, I'm sure I mentioned on a podcast, like I always just registered Borderlands 3 as it would probably be a safe buy. Like it knew what it had to do. And if it dropped the ball in certain areas, which I thought was really rare, I thought, or I thought it was improbable rather, um, <clears throat> I was like, oh, it'll be a safe purchase. And uh, everywhere that they dropped the ball that would have hurt the game, I think they did. I'm going to be honest. The story isn't as good. Um, it does, it's not as surprising, I think, it is also a big factor. Um, there's a lot of bugs, technical issues, which, like like, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, you, you know me by now. If it's hurting my experience, it'll probably hurt yours. <laughs> you know, that, that, and, and maybe I've just been unlucky. I've been playing four-player co-op online. I will say it does run a little bit better when you're playing by yourself. That's where my 10-plus hours of impressions came, along with a couple of hours of co-op. So there was more time spent in total by myself where the game did run fine. And I think um, that's important to note because I have a lot of people in my mentions when I posted that tweet uh, saying, like, I'm having a great time. And some people saying I'm having an awful time and mentioning their circumstances with how they're playing. And so it's going to be hard, I think, for Gearbox to release a patch that's going to fix everybody. I think we may have a right. 
I, or rather, I, I shouldn't say I think we'll have. I would not be surprised if we had a Ubisoft situation that we talk about where they release a patch and it performs worse for other people and better for others. Like, we may see a patch that addresses something in multiplayer that then hurts how the single player functions because of something going on that is underneath the hood. We've seen it happen time and time again with those Ubisoft games. So um, that's why I'm a little nervous about the patch and why I know they say they're just looking into it, but I'm surprised there has not been a big official comment like, hey, we're going to get into this because I just... for for I've never seen a game have such like spotty reactions, like very positive, very negative, very this is good, but tech... Uh, very middle of the ground like there is just impressions all over the place it's really hard to gauge where people are at with this game it's i've never really had that before but anyway borderlands 3 gets its first limited time event quite soon i am personally gonna still play it um because i hope by then my game will be working better all right Sony made a big splash and announced that there will be a state of play for September 24th and The Last of Us Part 2 will be making an appearance. We're going to read the Sony PlayStation US blog. Hi all, excited to share the first details of PlayStation's next state of play, which will air Tuesday, September 24th at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. We're preparing a pretty... (laughs) Hold on. I gotta get a laugh <laughs> Wait, listen to this. We're preparing a pretty hefty show, weighing in at around twenty minutes. <laughs> I know. I don't. I don't get what the twenty-minute thing is, but and and sporting a fresh new look. And we'll have some great news to share with you, including new game reveals, new content from PlayStation's Worldwide Studios, and a host of other updates. Should be fun. Oh, and it probably bears mentioning. Don't expect any updates related to our next-gen console plans in this episode. Uh, you can watch live on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook as usual. Can't wait to see what you think and definitely keep that feedback coming. We read everything. Uh, so Sony did a state of play a while ago and then they sort of, it seemed in my opinion, like an improvement and and then they went very quiet on it. And so, um, now we're back. We know the last of us part two will be in this. Uh, do you have any expectations? Are you excited for this? My friend? Uh, I was until I did the same thing you did and realized they said 20 minutes because even (laughs) if it was 20 minutes of games. Yeah. And even if it was 20 minutes of the last of us, since I'm not like in love with that game, like everybody else, that would have also bored me. So let's say it's 10 minutes of last of us. That only leaves 10 minutes for every other. Mm -hmm. It's very short. It's ridiculously short. So um, hopefully there's something brand new, like super surprising, like Insomniac's new game or, you know, something like that would be amazing if they were like, right. oh, and by the way, Spider-Man 2's coming or something, you know, I don't know. But you know what I mean? Something, something big and impactful because 20 minutes, man, yeah, that's, that's short. But, dude, you and I prepare for a, a Twitch ch- uh, stream far longer than 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like our prep is longer than 20 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Any, any, uh, we'll start off with predictions. Any bold predictions and then any realistic ones. Bold would be them showing, like, in that Insomniac was doing Spider Man 2. Okay. Super bold because it'd be really early, but it would also be shocking. Realistic, it's just mostly Last of Us. And then, like, since they said no PS5, mm-hmm. uh, you know. I don't even know what else there would be. Death Stranding and The Last of Us. Like, that would be my realistic one. Okay. So I'm just double-checking one thing about The Last of Us. 
hold on. Uh, okay, so The Last of Us Part 2 is having a media event the same day as State of Play. Where people are going to oh. go and play it. So, uh, sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to undermine your predictions there. I just remembered it. And no, that I, doesn't undermine it because when I read it, I read it as they that was most likely being shown there. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be, because uh, of that, I, I think it'll probably be a trailer and then we'll get more impressions from people playing the game uh, through YouTube and, and Twitter. And that'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see. Uh, that's the last game I expected to have like a press event. I thought they would keep that one very tight to their chest. I don't know if I want to see more of this game. I already know I'm very interested. I loved the first one. I know you were not a huge fan, but I, I loved the first one. Mm-hmm. So for me, bold prediction, I'm going to say um, I'm going to say Horizon Zero Dawn sequel. That is my bold prediction. Mm. I think they're going to come out and do that. Uh, I think God, it's going to be so. a quick teaser. Yeah, I would like to see that as well. I think, I guess that wouldn't be bold. I think that might fall under the category of realistic just because... It has been enough time to announce a sequel, but yeah. at the same time, the reason I call it bold is because I don't think this is the show for it. I think right. they, I think if they came out at E3 next year, uh, like I think, I, I hope at least Xbox will and sort of just lays out a slate of games throughout the next, from 2020, mid-2020 to the summer of uh, 2021, and, and it's all just next-gen shit, that, oh my god, that'd be insane. Um, realistic expectation and prediction is going to be um, probably a, a little bit more on Final Fantasy VII. I feel like they've been churning along with that. Um, I think that was a really good part of the last state of play, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a smidge more there. Um, like some cool collaboration, maybe a skin or something. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say uh, Concrete Genie Death Stranding, and then, yeah, the trailer of The Last of Us, like a five-minute trailer, something extensive. Concrete Genie looks good. Oh, and Medieval. Medieval's going to be there for sure. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot because that went gold too. Yeah. So I think I think it's going to be just showing off what's coming up soon, which which might be smart because Concrete Genie, like you said, I agree. I think that game looks really cool. I think yeah. that could be a sleeper hit. That that game looks awesome. So I'm looking forward to that one. I think, it just, I think that also went gold, if I remember correctly. It did, and I think there's something smart about them not throwing a shit ton of stuff. So maybe show one new thing, one thing everybody expects, and one thing everybody would be surprised by. Mm-hmm. Just be done. Let Concrete Genie or whatever couple games you have sort of have their own fucking window. Because lately, a lot of these games have just been like, Thrown they're, out they're just clouded by everything else. Yeah, I think the best example of that this year has been Control. That didn't even rank in the top 20. for 23rd. Yeah. It was, Sucks. Yeah, and, and, and mind you, I read a stat that August was the, like, uh, all-time low in the industry in the terms of game sales for, in, like, I think since 1990-something. So a, a record low year. Um, I think the timing personally makes a little sense since we're ramping up for the fall and there's going to be a lot of big games and we're also preparing for next-gen consoles. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, when you think of that and then them and they're, they're not even getting there, but yet astral chain which released on the 30th managed to get in there um it does not bode well for control so um yeah some games just get thrown out there i think control would have been a game a lot of people cared about if if someone else was publishing it and tried to market it more because that was yeah it wasn't marketed very much at all 
that's the thing. It wasn't even like what what we could call bad marketing. It was just no marketing. Oh, yeah. Really strange. There really. were issues behind the scenes with code generation. There was all really? kinds of problems. Yeah, there was all kinds of problems with 505, which is even sadder because they also today announced how much they got paid by mm. Epic for exclusivity. Mm. It was a over it was almost about a third of their budget, if not a little bit more. Ugh. And Remedy only Remedy only got 45% out of it. 505 got 55% out of it. And I got to say from what I saw of 505 versus what I saw from the guys at Remedy that should be like 90% Remedy, 10% 505. Because oh, 505 gracious, didn't even yeah. appear to be like publishing it. It was yeah. ridiculous. And I like 505 like, hey, we're going to put past. our name on this box? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, that's yep. it. <laughs> yep. Remedy uh, also, I mean, a lot of people really liked it. I still see people on Twitter talking about it right now. But it's just, there's you have to get out there. Mm-hmm. You have to make it so it that people want to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't always gauge popularity based off us, but I, the way I look at it is if you have a game that even you and I, and I'm talking like a, a big AAA style game, that even you and I are like, wait, that's coming out soon? Or I shouldn't yeah, should right. speak for you, but I, I'll speak for myself here. That's how I was with Control. I'm like, I don't even know what that game's about. I remember we talked about it in July. I'm like, that's something coming soon? You know, and, yep. When that's happening, then you're definitely not reaching as much of the people who aren't in, as enveloped in this gaming sphere, we'll call it. It's, it's really sad. Um, they, they clearly did not market it much. Maybe it was a budget thing. Hey, make a good game. Hope it speaks for itself instead of making a subpar game and spending some of that budget on putting right. the word out there. That could have been behind the decision, but really. Yeah, and I don't strange. know. Maybe 505 gave them some, and this is not unheard of. But maybe 505, maybe Remedy got that right away, but then 505 also gave them more money instead of spending on publishing. But here's what's weird. This is one of the things I think hurts companies when they focus on streamers versus like previews and YouTubers and normal pages is because streamers usually can garner support um, day one or a a, a little bit prior. But since streamers are real-time, the audiences go away instantly. There were not a lot of control previews until like five day, four or five days prior to the game's release. Yeah. And they purposely allowed like only some streamers to stream it the day of. I think they did a women's international thing where they only allowed women to stream it. Which I do remember that. A lot of people then were bothered by that because it was like, like where are we getting, like at what point are we getting to where it's like only a certain segment can do this? Um it it does feel like that also burned them because they purposely really did shy away from a lot of people playing that game who would have probably pushed it, you know, pretty heavily. Um, hmm. And Focus Home, I think, is a good indicator of who usually handles it well. And yeah, man, they're 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 on the top of their game right now. Focus, yeah, they're doing Focus pretty well. Focus Home is is has quickly ascended to one of my favorite publishers. I mean, think of it: Vampire, Greedfall, Plague Tale, Innocence. Yep. They, what do you think they, they must feel like, though, since they sold the developers for Greedfall and this is their biggest game? Big Ben owns them now. That must be sort of shitty to be like, mm-hmm. we're, we're publishing your game. Oh, but we're going to sell you. And then suddenly, like, they were number one on Steam Global Sales for like five days in a row. Yeah. All I know is the one person I know there was like, trust me, people are freaking out at the company. Like, legit. Like they fucked up. It, no. Uh, sorry, I meant at the developer. Oh. their success they were legit like in the hallways high-fiving each other nice. like whole we finally made it yeah and the fact that 
focus sold them to Big Ben is like, oh, but I just, you know what? I just I mean, hope I that don't Big know. Ben's like, Business all right, we get your talented. Exactly. Here's a here's instead of five million, here's ten. Make something yeah. else. Yeah. We'll, really, we'll have really to see how and and what Spiders tries to do. You know, see, I wouldn't mind a Greedfall. Well, not a Greedfall too, but you know what I mean. What's I interesting? Mind game like. What's interesting about Greedfall? It kind of contradicts what we were just saying about Control because Greedfall had a late push, but that sort of punching above its weight worked in its favor. Uh, also, it used a lot of YouTubers. Uh, or not, I shouldn't say YouTubers like me and you. Sorry, but I mean. Uh, websites with YouTube, because mm-hmm. for example, IGN was releasing like the first, you know, fifteen minutes of. They had hands on like three weeks prior, and then they were doing a lot of interviews about like where Bioware Light, which I think we all worried meant, you know, what does that fucking mean? Like, are they punch? Like you said, are they punching above their weight and they're not going to hit? They seem to have hit. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if it necessarily negates what we said. I just think that. I do believe that a lot of it now, just looking at it, really has to do with focus focused on normal publishing mm-hmm. and PR, where I just don't feel Greedfall did that at all. That's mm. just my own personal opinion. It just feels like they did not focus. I didn't see a lot of storylines about control. I didn't see a lot of preview you know, websites. It was sort of hands-off. Right. Maybe that was Remedy. Who knows? Maybe they weren't ready. It's possible, too. Yeah, very strange situation. Anyway, state of play, not much more to say. You got 20 minutes of content, and we'll be yeah. definitely discussing that next week on the show. <laughs> for about five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's something huge, it's going to be a weird little event, that's for mm-hmm. sure. We'll see. Next on the list, Final Fantasy VII Remake has a classic mode, which is more of your standard <laughs> combat versus um, what we saw in the in the trailers and gameplay up to this date, where it's more action-based. <clears throat> so, there is a couple of tweets from the Final Fantasy VII Remake Twitter account. Uh, let's go ahead and go through it. In standard modes, the action at uh, the ATB gauge—I forgot what ATB stands for—so we'll keep just calling it ATB. Uh, fills up by repeatedly attacking your enemy. But in classic mode, this aspect of the gameplay is handled automatically. The player does not need to do anything, and the character fights automatically, charging up their ATB gauge. So anyone not pl- sorry, anyone playing Final Fantasy VII Remake in Classic Mode does not have to worry about the action side of combat and can instead focus on selecting commands, making it possible to play Final Fantasy VII Remake as if it were a classic menu-based RPG. Do you like the good. sounds of that? Do you think more choice is good? Or do you think they maybe, and I know this may be a reach here, but do you think maybe this is a misstep because they managed to sell so many people on a great-looking gameplay system and then sort of went back and had to rebalance the experience for this instead of going all in on this ATB combat. Last So last week I was on um, a co-optional Total Biscuits old podcast okay. um, with Jenna, and we talked about this because we were trying to figure out, like, first of all, the story thing, where are they going to cut off because it's, like, episodic and all this stuff. And then there was this announcement, and the only thing I could come up with is that it does remind me of Greedfall, where Greedfall's got real-time combat, but it also mm-hmm. has pause thing. I don't necessarily think that takes anything away from it. Mm-hmm. I personally, I feel that if somebody needs it, then it's there, and if somebody doesn't, then that's fine. And t- so, to me, I'm I'm actually pretty okay with it. I sort of like the idea of it because I think some people are going to want to look at those graphics in sort of a slower way. Because you know how it is, Bayonetta, for instance. Some of Bayonetta happens so fast mm-hmm. that one of the only ways to see it is like your footage. When you go back and look at footage and be like, oh, I missed that because I was not dying. 
And so I think with this game, it actually works because there's some cool-looking combat, some cool-looking effects, some cool-looking monsters in some of the trailers they've shown. I think the idea of being able to see it a little slower is going to be very cool for some people. And it'll also, you know that time when you're almost going to die and you're like, fuck, here it goes. Well, if you can now pause it, I mean, maybe that'll just make it a little bit more enjoyable for people. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I just hope, because they're talking about it as a mode, I would like it, at, you mentioned Greedfall, I would like it as kind of a tactical pause where you can, in the middle of combat, sort of switch over and start yeah. handling the menus a little bit versus more. Versus options, you mean? Yeah. Versus an option. Yeah, menu. versus gotcha. like going into the settings, changing it, because then yeah. that tweaks the whole experience. It does. Um, and, right. and so I, I think if you could switch over to classic mode and now the fighting's happening automatically and you're sort of going, all right, do I cure? Do I go on the attack? Um, that I think that would be interesting. I also wonder, yeah. because they're saying it handles the attacking, but if I remember correctly, there was, like, running for cover, there was blocking. That type of stuff had to be I wonder, it had to be handled by the player. So that's what's confusing me about this classic mode, is it's not like, you know, you're both standing in place, just fighting each other, unless they also change boss patterns and how that all works. Um, mm. that's, yeah, they that's absolutely could. Or go full XCOM, where, like, you have a movement and an attack each turn or mm. something crazy like that. Yeah, that is true. I didn't even think about that. It probably will be a menu, though, if it's that ingrained. If it's that detailed, like you just said, which it probably will be, I didn't think about that. Most likely it won't, unfortunately, be a space bar. It'll mm-hmm. be hit escape, go into the options, switch it to turn-based. You know, I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. It'll, probably, it'll probably be that, though. Yeah, it, it'll probably be a full-on mode, <clears throat> which will be interesting. I think it's good that... People are supported in that manner, but I just I think ultimately, while options are good, and we'll always advocate for that here on this show, that um, it might have been more wiser to not deviate resources trying to balance two modes out, right? And instead, what do you, do you think this will be ways. grindy to you? I'm just worried that it'll be one of those games where like the trailers show it one way, and then you jump in, and it's still just as grindy and still hmm. just as like I'm worried that an episodic game has a bunch of grind to it. For some reason, those two things don't feel like they should go together. In fact, usually I think of episodic as being packed because it is shorter, if that makes sense. Right. And so I'm just nervous that we're going to get Final Fantasy VII Remake and we're going to turn it on. And it's, I, I don't know what would be grindy about it, but I just get nervous that's what's going to happen. And I don't feel like playing a JRPG with a bunch of grind. At least at this exact moment, I'm tired, and the idea of doing that does not appeal to me. So, so when you say you th- grind, do you think it'll be grindy? Do you mean the actual combat is a grind, or do you mean that what you have to leveling do... up and all that okay. kind of stuff? That'll be interesting, um, because in seven, you definitely the original seven. I mean, you definitely had to grind mm-hmm. at certain points to level up, and and some people love that grind, but I feel naturally jrpgs have sort of shifted away from that in exchange for actual content and i think it's been a smart choice because i don't think it's such a western move to only do that i think it's just good for the game's health and for the enjoyment of the player i personally think that they're going to streamline some some of that stuff maybe give xp bonuses for for quests yeah i I don't i don't see i don't it depends how long the game is too that's one thing i've rattled my my brain about because they're like oh yeah it's midgar i'm like midgar isn't even if you you make it all Hollywood produced, like Midgar isn't that long of a a section. That's in the what game. we. 
that came up during that podcast is they were that because they know it better than I do. Again, right. I'm not the biggest Final Fantasy VII fan, but they they were dropping the Midgar. Oh, it'll end right when you go out and about, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, does that mean the first one will be super short, and then the next second or third or fourth That's one, depending saying. on how many, is going to be huge? And then how do you go back? Like, yeah, I don't know, man. This game confuses the fuck out of me. It does, because you see stuff like, uh, you call on a summon, I think it's Ifrit, and he, mm-hmm. he has, like, a fire attack, and he set one of the bosses on fire, and the boss, like, jumped into the water to... to get the fire off of it, cool off, and hop back into the fight. It was, like, insane attention to detail. And when I saw that, something about that nature of design screamed to me, like you mentioned, more packed, more tight. Right. That's not something you do if the game's, I think, like, 40 hours long. Right. I don't think, at least. I could be wrong. I'll gladly eat my words. But I would not be surprised if this game was, like, 15 10 hours you know i either either would i and especially remember it was i think reddit where that one developer who left posted behind the scenes and was like this has changed it's actually been reprogrammed at least once as in stopped we're like this is not working let's try it again and that means all that resource is gone Mm -hmm. so i also agree that there might be a if they may not hollywoodize it i don't know what the term would be but they may modernize it to where it's more about the story, more about those... Because remember, we all talk about the story. So-and-so dies. But not a lot of people say, I loved grinding. So maybe they're looking at it going, you know what? If people aren't in love with grinding, we'll minimize that. Not make it go away, but we'll minimize it a little bit. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. like an hour in there. But then you look at the game and how much of it that those extended hours was grind. Many. Mm-hmm. Typical JRPG, right? How many times have you played a JRPG and been like, how much did I play... That was like story and stuff. How much was grind? And then you're all yeah. shit. That, yeah, it was like fifty. Usually 50 the or older something. RPGs are, are more guilty, especially of that. the older. Yeah. yeah, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, it, I mean, it looks good. Length. I'll I'll enjoy it, but I I am not holding my breath for that to be um, a super long game. It does feel like it'll be shortened up. Yeah, and I think I think it's just a testament to that is that attention to detail. There have been very big mm-hmm. games with attention to detail, but I'm talking like a boss mechanic like that that's specific to a summon that may or may not be there during the fight because you have to determine if the player's going to call it in or not or if they need to. That, to me, does not scream, we got 40 hours worth of gameplay here and and we had time to do this too, especially with how many times they restarted development. Let me see if there's actually an article. Did you ever play um, Rise of the Argonauts? I did not. I, I, you I think I've that? mentioned this, yeah. Um, they have a boss in there, dude probably one of the best boss designs i've ever seen in a game if you pull off a special move against the boss the ground collapses around him and you have to fight him again like eight hours later so you can kill him then Mm. or if you do this special thing which they don't even tell you he shows up later in the game having basically got caught on the other side of a cave and you end up going onto that other side of the cave and the other side of the island like eight hours later i love those kind of boss battles it's very rare you see something like that in fact, I think it's that and maybe one other game that did something that crazy. So, uh, according to the latest statements, it will take about 30 hours in a straight line to finish the game and more to finish secondary quests. Just like a normal game, this first remake will have its share of side activities in addition to the main story. 
In addition to finding well-known places that you probably already visited on the PS1 version more than 20 years ago, you will also cross new places with a much more vibrant city than before, with new areas that could not be visited from on the first PlayStation. The game will, for example, represent life under the platform and above the platform to show the difference between the classes of people. More than a remake, it is a new interpretation of the story for Final Fantasy VII, as we discovered it more than 20 years ago. Last I heard, the game should be in three chapters, but this information is still to be determined as the initial plans for Square Enix may change over time. This is Reimagining also, uh, lets them get away with like changing it, for sure. Yeah, this is also important. Uh, Yoshinori Kitase, uh, Kitase, sorry, has indeed confirmed that all parts of Final Fantasy VII Remake will have content equivalent to a canonical episode of the license. The first chapter of Final Fantasy VII Remake has an intro, a middle, and an end, and will not end with a cliffhanger. The game fits on two Blu-ray discs on PS4, so that alone, I don't think you could do a short game and have it be on two Blu-ray discs, as far as I'm concerned, uh, which is explained by the density of Midgar, which is close to an open world. With Final Fantasy VII Remake, developers can tell the story in a whole new way and make the world around Cloud and the other protagonists slash bad guys who are at the heart of the game more coherent. Oh, you know what? I bet you a million dollars. I think I know what they're going to do with that. They're going to remove a lot of the grind and just have quests and story. So you get a XP mm-hmm. for leveling up, mm-hmm. where a lot of it used to be grind. Which most, is modernized if, in its own way. Which is modernized in its own way. So if they're like, okay, well, we had eight hours of grind over here. Can we replace five of it with story grind, where right. you do quests for people? That I Yeah, that could work out, for sure. Yeah, I mean... There it is in, in print, so... Uh, I don't know about you, I'm also... You, you seem to be looking forward to it. I, I, I don't think I've ever asked. You're pretty excited for it, right? Absolutely. Because you're yeah. a Final Fantasy. Yeah. I haven't, haven't yet got to that point. Hmm. I think... I don't know see, why. See, what's the thing is, I already know the story. Um, I, I thought that it was a good story. Not, like, great, mm-hmm. but it was a good story. Uh, enjoyable. But um, I just love the world of Final Fantasy VII and the music... Um, those yeah. were the types of things that really brought me in and then the secrets you could discover. That's what made me love that game. And I'm I'm one of the people who played it for the first time in 2012. I played it really, Is really it your late. favorite Final Fantasy? Um, hmm. Some days it's Type-Zero HD. I really like <laughs> that one. Some days. Yeah, yeah I, li- I really like that one because it, it just, that game, that game was a tearjerker. I, I liked it and that game had a good style to it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely one of those people who thinks Seven's really really good. You know, I know there are people who go, cool. it's not as good, but yeah, it, it could it's probably my favorite. Ten was really mm-hmm. good as well, but Ten I think wavered a little bit in the middle and had some weird stuff going on. But the story was really emotional. But yeah, I couldn't stand Twelve. Um, I think Thirteen Two is very underrated. I'll, I can confidently say I think that's the most underrated in the entire franchise. But that is just my hot take, and I'm probably sure I invalidated anything else I will say about Final Fantasy for the rest of my career. But, it doesn't uh, matter what you say. Somebody's no, going to be mad do, when yeah, it comes to Final Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last se- – actually, I'm sorry. Wait. Oh, I, I misread. We still have more. Um, let's talk about games that we're anticipating for the rest of the year because I thought you know the news would run short, which it did. Um, so, Carrick, are there any games for the rest of the year that you're, you're most looking forward to? A Shit. top three, if you will. Shit. So we just... We were talking about something else a couple weeks ago, and I was stunned that I had forgotten this game. 
and I wanted to make sure I mentioned it on the podcast. Give me one second. Let me look at this release list. There was four. There is for sure a game that when I saw it come up, I was stunned. Neither one of us mentioned it. Come on, there we go. Um, let me look here. It was oh fuck. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, all right, fuck. What is happening here? On computer. Okay. So looking at November. There was something here. Okay, first of all, Age of Empires, for sure. Okay. A big age. Oh, Doom Eternal. I'm very much looking for that. Not because I think it's going to be amazing, but I'm actually just interested in seeing how it all comes together. And then there was Mech Warrior 5. Mm. Now, that's just for me, because I know you're you're certainly not a uber mech warrior nerd like me but um <laughs> i'm a big fan of giant robots super slow right you like hammering the fuck out of each other with tank guns so right. yeah mech warrior 5 i'm a big nerd hmm interesting those are your top three yeah those would probably be my top three because i mean mario wait did i miss a Mar- mario and sonic okay forget that Ooh, um, that one looks cool though <laughs> Oh, does it? The Mario and Sonic at the Mario Olympic Sonic Games? Olympics? Yeah, yeah. It no, does, it looks really? Re- it looks okay. really fun. I'll, I thought the name just indicated absolute shit, so no, I'll look it, that. I'll be honest, man. It, you know, it looks like a lot of fun. I don't know if it'll end up being oh. good, but it looks like a fun-ass party game. Nope, for sure. One replaces, replacing the ones I said, Moons of Madness. Absolutely Moons of Madness. Moons of Madness. What is that's that? the pre- That's the game that looks like Prey. Oh. Um, But it's like... It, it it's like Cthulhu mixed with prey, mixed with observation, but it's a shooter and yeah, yeah, definitely. They showed it at E3, I think, and the, when I saw it, I was just like, I am all over this. So that one nice. definitely nice. For me, uh, first one's pretty obvious: The Outer Worlds. Um, number two is coming out just next week. Really, really snuck up on me because um, I I was not aware of this, so. A uh, quick little history lesson. Um, Spike Chunsoft had two developers underneath their brand. One was um, Kazutaka Kodaka, who worked on the Danganronpa series. Uh, for those of mm-hmm. you who don't know, uh, Danganronpa is easily one of my, my favorite series of, of all time. Um, and then, I'm getting his name right now, uh, Kotaro Uchikoshi. Sorry, I want to make sure I didn't butcher his name too much. Um, he, I believe, let me just fact check this real quick. Um, hold on. Okay. Yep. It is by him. Okay. So Kataro Uchi Koshi is more uh, responsible for the other side of the puzzle known as Zero Escape, which is uh, a really good series outside of, I will say, um, the last one, Time Dilemma. Time Dilemma. Oh God. I don't like that game at all. But, um... The first and second Zero Escape games were fantastic, and they have a brand new game from this developer coming off because they had left Sp- uh, Spike Chunsoft, I believe, or um, develop. They have their own development studio, something along those lines, and I think Spike is still uh-huh. publishing. But they're making a game called AI: The Somnium Files. And this comes out on the twenty fourth, and uh, apparently, this is a uh, like I said, a detective story where you like go into people's dreams, and it's a murder mystery game. And uh, yes, once again, it is kind of like a, a visual novel style experience, but there have been reviews already out and it is a very, very overwhelmingly positive reception so far for the game, 
which has me stoked because apparently it's sort of like an adventure game, uh, not more gameplay focused, very story driven. And I kind of want that as a palate cleanser more so, like I was just mentioning with Borderlands and how it's just very hectic and on screen. Like this is a good game. That's just, you know, give me text, give me cutscenes, give me interaction with the environment. Let me think in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. I love these types of games. I love, love, love them. Would not be surprised if this one like instantly crawled up my list because these this, these people have had a history of making some fantastic games that I've I've really enjoyed. Uh, they they have not outside of Time Dilemma. Um, these two have never steered me wrong on any mm-hmm. of their games. So uh, for those who are wondering, wondering, uh, Kaz is working on a game called Death March Club which is about as fucked up as you can imagine. It's about a couple of little kids trapped in an underwater base run by a clown, and it's sort of like Danganronpa, where killing is how you escape. Um, But like I said, very young people, so that's why it's really strange. Oddly enough, published by Konami sort of withered away some of my hype, but um, certainly AI The Somnium Files is is one that I'm I'm very much looking forward to um, next week. And then uh, last on the list, I, I've I've really thought about this one a lot, and it's been hard to pick because these were the two games that always like pop up in mind. Like I'm very much a, a natural thinker in that manner, where um, I don't try to go objective with my selections on a, a most anticipated list. I'm like, hey, if I'm looking forward to it, it's probably because it came to mind first. So I've really struggled with adding a third option to the list. I feel like any more would probably be very forced, but. Um, you did mention Mario and Sonic Olympics, and anytime I do think of that, I get excited at the thought of my friends and I gathering around and like doing karate with like Tails and and Mario or something like that. Uh, I love these party games to get people around the TV. Um, the last game to really do that with my friends and I was Smash Brothers, which we still play together. So I'm happy to have another one like this that looks really fun. So I would probably throw that in there. Um, Doom Eternal is one that uh, I'm a little. Uh, just some of the development stories I've heard, we'll say, has sort of made me a little more cautiously optimistic than full-on excited for that game. And also, as a lot of people yeah. know, I was not super hyped for... or I was not super into the first one. I liked it, gave it a recommendation, said people should buy it, but I wasn't, like, over the moon playing mm-hmm. it for years like many people are. But yeah, some of the, like I said, some of the development stories I've heard for Doom Eternal have left me a little uh, worried, we'll say. And plus, with how Bethesda's been interjecting microtransactions, I would not be surprised if Doom Eternal was subject to that. Um, But those are the games I'm most looking forward to. Um, And I guess with that, if you'd like, Eric, we can move on to patron questions. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think... um, Are you just... I don't remember what you didn't like, or not that you didn't, but what didn't grab you about Doom. Um, I think it just got repetitive for me, late game. Oh, Okay. With the new one, do you think it's um, the reason why it's not grabbing you is because it looks more of the same, or is it more just like development stories or more worried about? Yeah, a couple of behind the scenes things. Like I said, I've heard. I don't want to get into it too much. Um, We can talk about it afterwards. But yeah, that type of stuff definitely had me a little. eh. Um, And then, um, but it was more so just. I like mindless action. Like, I've always said to people, the Warriors games, like Dynasty Warriors, Fire yeah, Emblem Warriors, right. so guilty pleasure. You know, I can shut off my brain yeah. and do that stuff. Um, I just think Doom's not that type of uh, game for me. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, so I just don't yeah. think it clicked. So that was primary interest. Like, it looks epic. It looks awesome. Uh, I think I'll like it. I think I'll enjoy it like I did with the first one. But it's going to have to elevate in other areas because it looks like more of the same. And I already saw people kind of critiquing what 
I had critiqued in the first one with Eternal. Um, in the first one, I said a lot of times that it didn't feel as satisfying pulling off like my 800th glory kill because, you know, I'm just constantly doing it eight times a battle, 20 times a battle. And so breaking legs and ripping off heads, it just felt like a part of the, uh, it was like a, you know, just another run of the mill battle. Um, right. And even when I was switching weapons, it was just to switch weapons. It wasn't like I felt like I was targeting a weakness or something. Um, so if they can evolve the enemy design a little bit more, I like how there's more traversal in Doom Eternal. I think that type of stuff, and by the way, I might be forgetting something with enemy weaknesses. I I don't recall any of that, but um, if they can evolve that type of stuff, I think that would pull me in a little bit deeper. Fair enough. Gotcha. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Um, now we're going to get into the patron questions. You may be wondering why we didn't have any throughout the show, and it's because none of them tied into our topics, which uh, I think what we'll start doing from now on is we'll share our topics in the patron questions section on the Discord. Uh, see if you guys have any questions for those on top of oh. just general questions. So yeah. um, we'll try to do that so we can get you guys incorporated more throughout the show. First one is a, a hard-hitting one, Carrick, but we like to help all patrons out in any way possible. Pivotal Pilot asks us, how do you deal with a breakup? <laughs> Carrick did not expect that. <laughs> I didn't, and my advice probably isn't the most healthy. Okay. Um, how do you... I can start mm-hmm. if you'd like to... Yeah, you go ahead and I'll feed off you okay. and depend on where you go. <laughs> okay. Um. So my suggestion... I don't know your age, Pivotal, um, because I know when I was younger, when I went through a breakup, uh, you know, it hit me hard. I was very, like, out of it. Um, I remember one podcast, Carrick, you'll remember, I think we had Jonah Lobe on, and um, we had Dogtooth on, and I actually, like, just got dumped, like, during that podcast. (laughs) So I was, like, just being a trooper through the whole show. Um and it, the reason I mention that is because I think it's a testament to what you should try to do, which is, you know, keep living your life day by day. Um, keep focused on your tasks, your hobbies, pushing yourself forward, bettering yourself. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, someone else cannot define that for you. They can't take that away from you. And that's something that you can always hold on to and say, like, this is mine and no one can destroy it. Like, you know, no, I always say, like, no one can destroy my work ethic. No one can say I don't work hard. Maybe sometimes you think my work isn't the best, but you can't take away that I bust my ass. And I take pride in that. So no matter what happens with anyone around me, I know I always have that. And that's kind of my suggestion is, you know, build those personal qualities by continuing to work and uh, focusing on careers or finding new hobbies, finding exciting stuff. Will it, like, erase your, your pain, your upsetment? No. That's not what's going to happen. There's no magical serum or remedy here. Uh, it's just time. Time heals, and just give it time. I don't know what kind of breakup you went through. It's, it, it sounds like, based on what you asked, just a standard one. Um, and so just give it time and keep focusing on other stuff. You know, Don't erase what happened in the past, but think of positives with it when it does come across the mind, and, and just continue to move on. Um, don't like hang your hat and hope that that person will come back in some fairy tale kind of way. I've never been a believer in that. That may sound awful to say, but I just believe what's done is done. Um, I've never really circled back to an ex in my entire life. So um, that would just be my, my parting advice. And now Carrick will come in with the hard-hitting <laughs> adult advice. <laughs> I, no, I mean, that's the, the, the question, too, is who it, it does matter, I think, um, who broke up with who and why. Because there's mm. all kinds. I that's mean, true. Wh- like if it's 
uncontrollable, then the advice is to like that's life and you're gonna have to move on and it'll suck for a while there's like you said there's just continue to be active yeah. but if it's like something that you look back at and you're like i could have fi- I, I could fix then i mean i don't know people break up for some weird fucking reasons i never quite know what somebody's mm-hmm. saying but i would agree with pretty much everything you say i mean admittedly i'm a serial breakupper <laughs> oh no so yeah so i don't it's gonna sound weird I think I was dumped once in like sixth grade, and that was it. Damn, this guy's a stud. (laughs) No, no. This guy's a jack-off, because what I would do is I would break up way too soon. Okay. Um, Probably because I didn't want to have to worry about it. So I was just like, problems, not going to worry about it, fucking, I'm done. I I, I get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I get the thought, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, and so it, it really does depend on all that. But I think time, I mean, there's been bad ones where I broke up and I was still unhappy, though. Mm-hmm. But it's all, yeah, it is all about time. And it's all about, man, don't fuck it. I'll tell you, I'll give you better advice, not to deal necessarily with the breakup, but something you should do going into your next relationship. Just fucking make sure you do not ignore your friends or your family mm-hmm. that you already had. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, that can be a disaster that is unrecoverable in real life especially if you have close friends and you got that guy friend we've all had one who starts banging the chick or a chick who's banging a dude or dudes banging dudes or chicks banging chicks and they Mm -hmm. disappear and something bad happens and they come back and everything in your life is different than everything in there things don't fit anymore man don't do that shit that's it's bad for everybody involved and it keeps you it focuses you way too much on this relationship that like it's supposed you to be don't even know if it's going to work out but yeah yeah and um man don't don't because mm-hmm. I, I i would say i did lose a friend um because of that one of my closest friends and the idea is just oh it's never we're never getting that back and that sucks like yeah that's horrendous mm-hmm. so just keep keep track of everybody around you and make sure to not lose them regardless of what you personally are doing with somebody else and get back to banging man Back to bang. <laughs> that'll be my end. That'll be my end sentence. Get back to banging. There we go. Positive exit. Aunt Jemima, Jemima. Sorry. Asks, Aunt Jemima. Yeah. Uh, do either of you have an all time? See, I don't know who this this uh, this patron is, just because like I don't know if it's someone who changed their name. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, do either of you have an all time goal for your respective YouTube platforms? Like a specific dream opportunity, level of influence, or amount of resources at your disposal? Hmm. Fuck, dude. Do you know what I want? I want to be off. I want to be able to pay some bills. Hmm. That's it. And I still can't. I have goals that are higher than that. But my des- my general hope is to be able to like live even semi comfortably mm-hmm. without the worry that every day something will be demonetized. And that has not occurred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I've, yeah. I I feel like. I've I've grown up in this discomfort with our job, I guess. So for me, I'm I I don't I want to say you're not used to it. I just it's the only type of paying work outside of like helping out with yard work and whatnot in my local development and doing uh, landscaping that type of stuff. Where you know it's a, I think a different form of work. Um, but this is the only type of paid work I really know. So I'm used to how it's very fluctuating up and down. And I guess I sort of just 
maybe sometimes bury my head in the sand, but sometimes erase those concerns. My dream goal slash opportunity would be able to like comfortably create in a sense of if I don't have a good video idea for the day that I can just shut off the computer, walk away and not have to worry about losing revenue, losing channel growth, losing uh, traction in the sub boxes. Cause that's the main thing. It's less about the revenue and growth and more about that. If you don't upload consistently, unless like, for example, you're in character's position where uh, you, you have like a, a very, like I'd say a title sort of like you are like the biggest independent reviewer. So people will search you out no matter what I feel. It doesn't change that there's struggles there. But like for me, if I stop uploading for a couple of days, uh, is it the end of my world? Is it the end of my career? No, but it hurts me. And I would love to be in a position where I can comfortably go and make like a 30 minute video on something and put it out and have the confidence of knowing a lot of people will seek that out and, and uh, it will perform well and that I can shift my lifestyle to something like that because I think it would be healthier for me. That's the thing is I think sometimes my, my workload becomes a little unhealthy and I've, I've fixed that by A, giving myself breaks regardless and B, paying an editor every now and then uh, to help me out. Like Monday's video will be handled by an editor because I, I have a, a wedding this weekend I'm going to, my first ever wedding, <laughs> and, um, and I won't be available and so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to send him the footage. I'm going to send him the commentary, have him put it all together. And I just have to come home and upload it and I'll pay him. And that's it. And, and um, sometimes you got to work smarter, not harder. Um, and I'm very fortunate to have that. But yeah, that would probably be my dream. Just to be able to alleviate some time for myself um, more than usual, I guess. Like I would love to have a steady – I usually do. But lately I haven't. Like a steady Monday through Friday – like 10 to 5, 9 to 5, and then weekends off. Um, and I would say for me a big part that changed is, you know, being married. Because mm-hmm. not being married, I probably would be more in line with just, like, lax- not lackadaisical, but a little less stressed about it. But when you, like, you have a, the other, another person creating income, what if they get fired? So now you got to sort of, I mean, I've always been a believer that I, I sort of need to make a certain amount and do a certain amount so that if another person loses their job, they're not going to die. And then they should do the same. Yeah, they should do the same for me. And that's exactly what happened when I got laid off. I just covered this in the podcast. When I got laid off, luckily, my wife was able to say, you can have two years to try what you need to try in YouTube. But yeah, it's crazy. And I think also goals change. I change my goals all the time, all the time. Oh, yeah, Um, for sure. And I have mini goals or what I would term as like short-term goals, which would be whatever review I'm doing, mm-hmm. long-term goals, which is like growth of stuff, and then or mid-term goals. And then the long-term ones are that comfortable moment, like you said, where you don't have to upload right away. Like your review um, can come a couple of days late kind of thing. Or Sometimes you do well, that anyway. And you're to fine, be but... honest, I would be different than you. I almost would want to do your stuff. So reviews I'm okay with, but I've told you this before. I don't have long-term views at all. Zero. I'll go down to like $9 a day on YouTube all the time because my views do amazing in the review and then dump because a review is only usable that that days. small amount of time. Yeah. yeah. So I, what I would like to do to be comfortable is to be able to make those side videos like you were talking about. So pretty much we have the same goal. It's just we're getting there in different ways. Mm-hmm. And and I would like to be able to do those um, and know that they were going to do well because they don't necessarily perform spectacularly. 
Uh, people do look at me for reviews, but they do not go to me for, well, anything else. I mean, I have my core that may check it out, but I don't think anybody's searching for, like, the international podcast anytime soon. And yeah, I do those because they're fun. Yeah, podcasts Dude, are podcasts tough. are ridiculously tough. People don't mm. realize. They rarely do well. They're more of a social outlet. Yeah, And exactly. enjoyable than they ever are return, unless you're IGN or uh, uh, what, I kind of funny or something where you've got fucking wrestling matches and yeah, shit. Yeah, or, or Colin, yeah. You, you, like, they make yeah. all their money off podcasts and audio services, which is awesome. I think it's cool that people can find that success there. I thought it was impossible, and, and for us, it's it's really tough. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's insanely difficult to do. I see. I think your videos in between when you do sit down and do a discussion, they do tend to do like in the middle, like a 30, 40 K performance, which is great. And I think people they just like don't that stay me. there though, Maddie. Mm. That's what bothers me. Cause right, you and I've and talked about this. Yeah. And I go and look at that. other people and they're consistently getting like a certain number of oh, subscribers. Every, <laughs> yeah. And I'll look at my views and my views, even if like you're, you're all right. I shouldn't say that those side videos don't do okay view wise, but they're very short. Everything I have, if you look at my fucking analytics, it's mm. the worst roller coaster ride in the universe. Mm -hmm. And I would like a little more stability, if that makes sense. Yeah. Just a little bit more. No, I get that. We could talk that out behind the scenes. Um, Paul has a question for you, Carrick. Uh, he says, this goes for both of you, more specifically Carrick, though I can't answer this. I was wondering how you felt about drag racing, NHR, NHRA balls to the wall, blink, and you'll miss it racing. I don't know what that means, but Carrick, all you. I, I don't no think thoughts. he means the game. I think he means, do I like drag racing? I remember you saying just you, say, you raced in I, some way. Yeah, yeah, but that was more street. But, um, yeah, drag races are cool. Anything where somebody can be ejected into the stratosphere just due to a vehicle is fun to fucking me, man. <laughs> I love that shit. I won't go and watch it very much, but I love, like, there's something about that just utter horsepower. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who has a Tesla, and you get in it, it's an electric vehicle, and when it drives, it's, it's insanely fast, Maddie. Like, It'll make your, it feels like your face is being pulled off your skull when they go. And I have a fast <laughs> car. This thing is ridiculous, but there's no sound. Mm -hmm. So you're in it and it's like, eh, uh, eh. <laughs> and then you get in my car and I give it gas and it's like, whoa. And I got to admit, I like that secondary. I like yeah. the sound. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Drag racing is fun. It's, it, it is just going in a straight line really fast. Though, I've had this desire to go watch NASCAR <laughs> like in person. Oh I mean. dude, it's a, in it's person. a huge deal. They could, the crowds are awesome at NASCAR. Bunch of rednecks, of course. You got to be prepped for that. But I just, I really, I don't know. I, I heard someone talking about it. I was like, you know, I think being there and watching like the strategy of when you go mm -hmm. into the the pit, you draft, and, you come and out, all that. Yeah, yeah, like that could be really neat. Getting a close look at. I don't think of watching it on TV would be fun because you're just watching cars go in circles. But I think like seeing up close and personal the right. strategy and feeling like the as they zoom by like i think that could be awesome i don't know why i've i want to do it though i'm probably gonna yeah, do it no, sometime in the next year that, i think you'd enjoy i mean it's just one of those chaotic events you at least see it once and then you can decide from there if you yeah. ever want to go again but i think you'd enjoy it i don't know if you would go multiple times but mm -hmm. you certainly do get a little uh like some knowledge when you watch them versus the fucking video where yeah. they're going left all the time and you're like this is the most boring thing i've ever yeah. seen <laughs> Next question comes from Radical Shark. Uh, I also can't answer this as well. Maybe you can. Are you excited for the upcoming Terminator game? Am I, I excited for it? Yeah. Yeah. I saw a, I saw a screenshot. It looks like Wolfenstein. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big Terminator fan anymore. Yeah. Not I never really. was anyway, so. 
Oh, really? So you weren't even a fan of um, like two or three or just just the movies in general? Yeah, you don't go a lot of movies. Yeah, they're sense. they're classics. I respect them, but it's sort of and like you know the infamous lines like "Get to the chopper." Yeah. That's that's their Terminator, right? Am I wrong? Uh, "Get to the chopper" is Predator. <gasps> oh no! Terminator is all. I back. can I can feel the audience pulling their yeah hair. <laughs> right now, dude. Somebody is like cocking a gun and they're like finding your address. Um. But uh, yeah, you, I, I get what you mean. The one, yeah, fuck. Not, All right, so, then, yeah. then I have no clue what I'm talking about. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this Terminator game, though? Clearly, I'm not in the right place to speak about this. Yeah, um, I don't think I give a shit because the companies that are making it aren't really that impressive. Not that that can't turn out to be good, mm-hmm. but it feels to me like a cash in. Like they just got the, they somehow got the Terminator rights and mm-hmm. the movies coming out, the new movies coming yeah. out. You know, doesn't I think have, it's that kind of thing. Did you play Gears of War Five and the Sarah Connor? Because you could get Sarah Connor's skin in multiplayer. I don't know if you've done a lot of Gears multiplayer. I haven't played Gears oh. Five at all. I oh, never, I never got a code or anything. I mean, granted, I could sign up for Game Pass, but I never got a review code or a sponsor or anything, which was kind of weird. And your friends group is not super gears oriented, obviously. No. Otherwise, I think you would have. Okay, they're more, they're more PlayStation based. Yeah, gotcha. Crazy Herb asks a very on-topic question for this Friday. What's your favorite Zelda games? Because for those who don't know, as we record this podcast, the new Link's Awakening game has just yeah. released. Um, I have two Zelda games I really like. I've never been a humongous zelda fan um in fact the one zelda game i did like for most of my life was twilight princess on the wii and the main reason for that was when i was growing up i always wanted a a game i could swing the wiimote and swing my sword i thought that level mm-hmm. of motion control was really cool um but also i just liked how the universe was a little bit darker and uh it had a more grim tone to it but obviously breath of the wild would rank in my other one and is easily my favorite zelda game um, I just think that open world nature, the art style, the exploration, the creativity on display, the, just it feels like every month I'm seeing something new about that game that like someone comp- can complete a quest in a different way that I never imagined mm-hmm. or is doing a cool in-game challenge. It's just a fun world to be in, and I've gained an extra level of respect for it as I've watched my girlfriend play. She has about 90, 80 hours in it. Um, she loves it to death because she loves Zelda far more than I and so she's been like finding everything, and uh, it's it's made me really appreciate how dense that game is. Um, Link's Awakening was one of the first Zelda games I ever played, and I do like it. I never really, I don't know if I ever beat it or not, um, <clears throat> but it was like one of my first games I ever played, right next to Pokemon Blue. So I have fond memories of that. I would like to play the Link's Awakening remake, but I I I don't like the art style. I don't like the art style. I can't stand it. Uh, but those are just two of my favorites. Do you have any favorites? Uh, Wind Waker, which just sounds like you probably wouldn't like due to the I couldn't stand shading. the intro. No, yeah. I see. I like um, cell shading, but I couldn't stand the intro. Wind Waker looks beautiful. I would play that yeah. if they got rid of the whole fucking four hour. Oh shit! Prison shit! Entrance. Sorry. I should uh, I should preface all this. Um, preface all this. I don't like Zelda games. Okay. Um. So I I meant ver- visually because I don't like Zelda games. I'm only going on the visuals. And Twilight Princess and um, Wind Waker. Are the most I like Twilight Princess because it was darker, just like you said, and I thought it was a definite step up in its look. Um, I really liked that look, but I also liked Wind Waker because nothing looked like that from Zelda ever. So other Zelda games always look like Zelda being Zelda, and then that game you're like, wait, what? Like the graphically, this doesn't look mm-hmm. 
So to me, that was really visually striking. But I have never, ever been a Zelda fan. Like, ever. And I've tried multiple ones, and I finally realized it just doesn't work for me. I don't know why. That's how I felt until Breath of the Wild. That was, like, the one that worked. And obviously, I was younger at the time, but Twilight Princess just stuck out for very different yeah, reasons. Th- that graphics on Twilight, dude, is... Because it, it, Twilight was the one that also was on another system, right? It was Wii and Wii U? I think was that was, Twilight? I think it was Wii and GameCube, I want to say. Oh, oh, okay. No, you're right. You were right. Because it, it was on GameCube and Wii, I think. No, I think you are right. Because I know one was distinct. There was different graphic style or uh, graphics. I know. Uh, I know too. that uh, Breath of the Wild was on Wii U and and um, what's it called? Switch. Switch. Um, Zelda Twilight Princess is in fact on GameCube. I just looked. Just GameCube. It's on both Wii and GameCube. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Twilight Princess. Yeah. Just I like the look. I like the darker mm-hmm. thought process. And I, from what I understand, this new one. Or not the new one, but the Switch one. Not this cartoony one. Sorry. The original Switch one. Um, is a little bit darker as well. And I would say that the little bits I played, because I own it, I, I, I sort of dug the way it looked. It's just its performance was really shitty in that starting area. And speaking of making you sick, it actually made me a little bit mm, not not woozy. A little bit of that, like, yeah, because remember the forest and the trees... And it was like, it was about 28 FPS, and I just remember on a small screen, I wasn't accustomed to playing it yet. Yeah. I'm more accustomed now. Yeah, I get that. Kopi asks us, are you playing, are you buying a Switch Lite? Um, no. Fuck no. No. It's <laughs> it's enticing to buy a new toy, but I'm all right. There's no, there's no demand for it. I When I want to play my Switch, I pick up the one that can charge in a dock safely. And Dude, can, for sure. And I can play docked. I don't see, unless I'm like eight years old, why I would need a Switch Lite ever. There's nothing about that. Also, the fact that they just announced that Switch Fit whatever that doesn't even work with it. VR doesn't work. Not that I'll jump into Labo, but yeah, there, there's a... It's limited, yeah. And it's limited for no real reason. So, yeah, definitely not getting a Switch Lite. Yeah, no interest. Johnny EC has two questions. One, what's a video game mechanic you wish never existed and why? Mine is (laughs) Fog of War, where the map is not revealed until you go to that location and uncover it. It feels like forced exploration instead of naturally being interested in the world and exploring it on your own. That's an interesting take, Johnny. I never thought of it that way. I like Fog of War because I feel if the game tells you everything that's there... It, it sort of directs where right. you're going to explore, like, instead of naturally just going there, right? Um, I just I just stopped paying attention to the map in general. Like, the overall, you open up the menu kind of map and just explore that way. I keep myself in-game as much as possible now. Um, a, me- a mechanic that I wish was never in a game or invented? Or does he say, uh, you wish never existed? Oof. Uh, I mean, there's some that I don't think have worked well in multiple games, but I don't really ever, you know me, I, I don't really put my foot down and be like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. Like, there's not not a necessary, I mean, oh, mm, no. I was going to say something to do with saves, but go ahead. Cameras that rotate when you go reverse in vehicles in games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Isn't that a shitter? Yeah. Isn't that a, sh- a complete shitter? Yeah. Like, it makes no sense sense to do yeah. that actually because then Let it, re- and then it inverts it. the controls at the same time oh mm-hmm. my god <laughs> oh my god just let me rotate the camera let me steer the vehicle keep it the same 
Oh my gosh. The Sleeping Dogs, I love you, but you did that far too much. One of the worst reverses in a video game. Period. To me, I guess Resident Evil's do something that I don't necessarily like. I I don't like cumbersome inventories, and when you mix and match things in the inventory, I don't know why, but that bothers me a lot. I've never like played a game over like the red I, with the green. I or... don't, I don't, mm. and you know, I've never actually liked that. I think that's because a lot of times I don't know if I have red, but I just got a green. So then you know you have to go into the inventory to verify you've got a red so that you can mix it with the green. Mm-hmm. So so something about that always has been. It just hasn't been nailed. Again, I don't have one I hate. I just don't think that's been nailed exactly okay. correctly. Um, it would almost be cool if you got the red one and it gave you an icon and then like gave you a plus marker indicating you have something in your inventory you can mix it with mm-hmm. or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like something visually so you don't have to jump back into the inventory. Right. I, I don't like inventory stuff, man. It's because UI's gotten progressively suck. worse in games, I think. They, very much so. And yeah. progressively more slow. Yeah. Like going between tabs or whatever, and you click a button, it's like, shh, mm-hmm. it's it's animated, and you're like, why? Why is yeah, it animated? Yeah, just have the menu function. Let us Fuck. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Why is it animated? You just took fifth, or or have you ever paused a game? Not paused a game, but went into the map, and the map takes like four seconds to load, Ugh. and you're like, how is that possible? I hit a map button, and it's all, Rup, and then it pops up, and you're just like, oh, I'm done going to the map now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those little things are are more bothersome. Yeah, loading loading or waiting within the menu that's supposed to pause <laughs> yeah. the game. Yeah, the worst. Yeah, for sure. He also asks, "What's something you wish you could see in your lifetime? Could be anything outside video games." Oh fuck! Uh, 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 being on Mars. Yeah, humans. Yeah, on, on Mars. Yeah, I, I want us off this one. planet as quick as possible. Yeah, humans on Mars. That's a good one. Selfishly, I want to see the Rangers win a Stanley Cup. I want to see the, I want to see the Mets win a <laughs> World Series. Wow! <laughs> From Mars to your fit, your yeah. sports team winning yeah. a Stanley Cup—that's a yeah. dichotomy, right yeah. there. Yeah, I want to. I want that to happen. Then they can go play hockey on Mars. I don't care. Um, I just want to see it. I want to be that person who has their team that they've rooted for years for win a championship. That's all I want. Um, so yeah, I, I hope to see that. Um, I I also want to see electric vehicles become the norm. I think that would be really cool if that's a, a plausible future. I think, yeah, I mean, it seems like it's very plausible, especially yeah. now. I think you and I, though, are going to grow up to a point that the enjoyment of driving a car is going to be very lean, and I think that sucks. Mm-hmm. I enjoy driving my car, and we already have self-driving cars self-driving Ubers, we have all this stuff, and the enjoyment of driving a car is very high to me, and I have a feeling insurance is quite quickly going to start rising for people who choose to manually drive. Mm-hmm. They'll just be like, okay, you want to manually drive, it's going to cost you yeah. you know, four times as much, which admittedly, if you get computers the right way, that's actually the way <laughs> it should sense. work. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I, I like taking a drive or a motorbike ride. Yeah, absolutely. It's, there's something about sometimes. Oh, dude, yeah. And and the idea of having a car drive me, I know I'd just fall asleep. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, like if a car is like, oh, we're going to drive to see your parents. If I'm driving, it's an experience. If a computer's driving, it's the back of my eyelids. I just mm-hmm. know that would happen. I, yeah. I just wouldn't give a shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So that thing, that sucks, I think. Yeah. Ben Jam, what is one video game memory and non-video game memory you wish you could erase and experience again? For the first time. 
Video, um, one video game and one non-video game? Yeah, one non-video game memory. Winning my first martial arts tournament would probably be number one. That's dope. I like that. Yeah, out, outside. Whoa, sorry about my dogs. Nah, you're good. Hmm. That would be my non. What about you for non? Non? Sorry, I have no clue. Hey, no, shut up, good. guys. You're Jesus good. Christ. I like how they actually simmer down. <laughs> it's so funny. They did for a second, and then yeah. I think it's a mailman. Yeah, probably. New review copy. Um, There's so many moments I could pick out, which is a good thing, I think. I, I think of the first time my channel was blowing up. Um, oh, yeah. I remember having my iPod email linked to <laughs> my YouTube email. And so mm -hmm. I remember posting my first Skyrim Rare ding, Weapon ding, Guide, ding, ding. and that's all, yeah, that's all I heard was like, ding. And I like yeah. jumped up and down in my room like ecstatic as shit because I like I couldn't believe it was actually happening and like I was gonna have my first bit of growth. Um, that was really cool. Um, but I, I'd probably say like you know I, I remember the first time I met my girlfriend. Um, my my first ever hockey tournament where I traveled to Edmonton. That was a memory I'll always hold on to. You know the nerves before like a really big game. Um, Performing, funny enough, you mentioned martial arts, but performing martial arts in front of my family. That's something I'll always remember. Um, picking up Revan, my new puppy from this year for the first time. Um, there's just so many good memories. I can't really pick one. It's really tough. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, when it comes to like picking a memory, it's usually just the ones you can access. And then like the next day, you'll mm -hmm. think about the question again and be like, what did I fucking, why didn't I mention yeah. these other five? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult because there's a lot. What about gaming ones? Like a gaming memory, Fallout Four hype train. That the you know, Fallout Four may have been like a little bit of a roller coaster afterwards, but that ride to the game I will always fondly remember. That was some of the most fun I've ever had with a video game, without a game actually having to be in my hands. I thought that was insane, just to be in the middle of that with a bunch of community members and. I know everyone, a lot of people rather feel the same way because anytime I stream, anytime I stream at least five people will come in and tell me how, like, hey, man, been watching since Fallout 4 Hype Train, been watching since Survivor 2299, and uh, just to go through that journey with a bunch of people and then, like, eventually get to shake their hands at conventions because you built up a community, I think that's really cool. So that would definitely be mine. I mean, I, I, like, I don't really know of a game one. A story moment? Uh, a a co-op moment with a friend? Picking up a console with a friend? I finally remember getting my Xbox One, like holding spot online. I think I was second online, mm -hmm. and I just I just waited online, and then my friend showed up, and from like four till midnight, we were just chilling outside, like reading books and sharing stories, and oh, you know, so that fuck, type I've of got one. Cool. All right, let's hear it. I've got one, and it's not a good story for everybody else. It's just a good story for me. <laughs> but Sega, uh, Sega was having issues trying to get from the 32x to the Saturn. This was back to Sega Genesis Nintendo days. Mm -hmm. And they decided, first time and only time it's ever happened in history, to release their console six months early. So we ran them on a Saturday, went to EB Games, which I don't even know if they exist anymore. But we walk into EB Games, and a Sega Saturn was on the wall, and it said in stock. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. That's six months ahead of time. And so I went and talked to the um, salesman, and I was like, is that actually here? And he said, yeah. So I spent the next, like, four hours calling friends 
on a payphone. This was before cell phones. Oh man, and <laughs> working financial deals out to borrow money because I didn't have the money at the time. I just had like half of it, and borrowed the money to get that Sega Saturn. And That's going awesome. from a Saturday where we were maybe going to pick up a Genesis game to a Saturday where a whole new system that came with three games that were actually awesome, Daytona, Virtual Fighter, and to sit there and go home. And I remember with my friends just going like, that just happened. Because it's never happened. No console releases early. It's ne- And there's a reason why. It fucking didn't work. And <laughs> But yeah. it, it, it didn't. But it was so amazing to go, holy shit, we're playing like this new console six months early and i remember with my friends just being like that is fucking amazing and the other one is oxen free oxen free uh, if i could ignore a story i would rather ignore oxen freeze than sky or than uh, star wars knights of the republic if somebody said you could forget one to replay it uh, dude oxen free i have no clue I don't know why it resonated with me so much, but that that just sitting down and being like, what the fuck? And then having friends play it with me and have everybody be like, that is good, um, was really unique at the time. Hmm. Yeah, yeah sure, it's yeah. funny because I, I can understand why. Like, KOTOR is an experience that I think I loved more and more as I kept replaying it. it. Yeah. I don't think it's yep. like a first time erase my memory and re-experience it type game. Um, right. I think like when Fallout Three first clicked for me, like yeah, that would be one I'd love to erase and just re-experience like that, falling in love with the world, exploring every corner, doing all the quests, getting all the achievements. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that yeah, I, I hold close to my heart. Or Jamie, I don't know if this is political. It's not. Don't worry, I read it necessarily. Uh, I know you stay away from all that, but what do you think of ESA and ESRB's response to the newest NBA title? It's mixed in with all this talk of government bodies stepping in to monitor and regulate loot boxes and predatory monetization. And in the event of that question is outside what you feel comfortable with discussing, what's it like having a community of friends like you do? For me, I think it'd be somewhat flattering, maybe. Like, we're all here for different reasons. Overall, I'd say we have to a respect for you and appreciate what you guys do. At least that's me, anyway. You're both good guys, and I want to say thank you. Well, thank you. That's really nice. Thank you, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, we can answer that first. I think it's incredible. Uh, it, like... Um, I'll tell a quick story before we answer the ESA ESRB thing. I remember when, um, I was always asked when I was a kid what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I always said, uh, because I, I debated well and I argued well for my age, mind you, my parents and my friend's parents would always say, you should be a lawyer. So I'd, my answer would always be, I wish I could play games for a living, but I will be a lawyer. And so when I started making YouTube videos in 2008, 2007, I started making Call of Duty videos and you start to see people like share that interest. This was before I made any money, by the way. I didn't start making any money whatsoever until technically I collected a check in I think 2008, but I never made money whatsoever outside of that till I think 2012. And it was not like money you could really live off of. I, I went up until 2015, I lived off about like a hundred bucks a month tops, mm-hmm. like not a lot at all um, for, for someone who was, by the way, in college, like very little monthly. Um, and so um, I remember when I first started having that growth and turning it into a job and seeing people like just joining up because we share interests and wanting to communicate in that way 
and how easy it is. Because a lot of YouTubers, and mind you, I don't have like millions of subs, but I have a decent audience. And it's like how easy it is to go into the comments and talk to people and have exchanges with them and can and like come back later and continue that exchange and to have the Patreon Discord and to have that. Uh, it is exactly as you say, it, it is very much flattering, like that people want to engage with you in that manner, that people give enough shits that they'll they'll give Carrick or I three dollars a month, you know, skip out on a cup of coffee for one day of that entire month and say like, hey, we want to be a part of you and what you're doing. Like that never goes unappreciated or I'm not unaware of the sacrifice you guys make, even if it's just a couple of bucks for some people um, to, to continue to help me continue doing what I'm doing. I know in a lot of ways, my salary is my goodwill, right? Like, or, or your goodwill rather, you know, we, we live off of your contributions. Mostly that's our, that's our safety net. That's how I define my Patreon. I'm like, this is my safety net where I know I can lean on this if everything falls apart. And I know Carrick with his demonetization, um, you know, if he didn't have the Patreon, I I lean quite heavily on it. Yeah. Like where would, where would our man be? So, uh, yeah, it is quite flattering. Sorry, Carrick. I kind of rambled. If you have anything you'd like to add there. No, I mean the discord, I have real friends in real life and Mm -hmm. I certainly talk to people in the discord more and, um, I've like shared and discuss stuff or you know help them out and they've helped me out and i think overall they're probably as close as like my close friends are at least for some of them again i don't know them but that doesn't really change anything because dude i know some of my real friends who are less uh what's the term stable or less um accessible than some of my online friends right. from youtube and so it, it yeah it is flattering but i would also say for me it's just um it's a sign of the times that shit changes. Cause I grew up in a time when let's say you didn't date online. Mm-hmm. It was considered horrible. It was like, you were a loser. And yeah. now everybody I know, literally every single person I know He's met online. somebody. Online. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's I mean, it's rid- like every person I know who's married, they all met online. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens with friends. And I, I have true friends from it. And, I, and then I would say for me also, it's, um, the cool thing about those friends is like friends I never would have met in real life. Like when I got to meet TB and talk to him and realize he was a complicated person, but I liked a lot of what he did and I didn't think I was going to, or I didn't know how much I was going to. I'll just say it that way. And it was awesome. And that kind of stuff, I almost feel like we're in a weird way. It's cooler now than physical friends because physical friends... I've got a couple, but they're hard sometimes to get together, right? It's hard to get them over. Mm-hmm. You move, whatever. But with some of the online community I've grown, like I watch UFC with Kramer. I don't even know Kramer's, uh, I don't even know his real name. Uh, it might be, I think it might be Daniel. I have no clue. We have literally spent every Saturday together for like nine months. It's <laughs> creepy. I mean, I, we should have an intervention. And to <laughs> me, that's the that's the awesome part of it is... Uh, distance doesn't matter. I know people from Europe who I meet every Friday for the podcast, and I would have never, ever met them in real life. And that, it's not flattering, it's um, awe-inspiring. There's something amazing. Mm -hmm. Dude, I grew up in a time when you had to write a, like you would write a letter to Pen Pal. A letter. Yeah, I had Pen Pal in first grade as well. Right. And, you know, you meet somebody in Malaysia named Ting, you talk three times, and then you lose fucking, you know, contact. The people in my Discord I've held on, I just found out one of my friends I've known 
via the internet now for 12 years, which is just crazy to me. Wow. So it's it's amazing. I don't know. Flattering's not the right term. I don't know what the right term would be. Just um. I think awe-inspiring. Yeah, 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 I, I have I have communities it. of friends that I would never have if if I didn't do what I did and didn't have the internet for sure. Yeah, it has its negative parts, but I think it's easy to lose how many yes, connections we, how many connections we form <laughs> through it. It has its negative <sighs> parts, but you've you've probably got a friend or two, and I certainly do that. Um, they're negative on their own. You know, a group, maybe <laughs> mm-hmm. a friend in your group that you're like, I don't like this person as much as everybody else yeah. does. So. Yeah. All right. How about the SA and ESRB's response to the monetization in NBA? Personally, I what think... is that? Do you know? I don't know that. So uh, I don't know other than them just. I know their responses were pretty bad in the terms of like they were endorsing that pretty much NBA should not have its rating changed, even oh. though there is simulated gambling in there. Um, there's been a oh. big outcry because what happens is NBA 2K20, I think it is, has this literal gambling yeah, mechanic it's, like yeah. it's actual it's not a stretch of the words like everyone's coverage believe it or not has been spot on in what it is it is very yeah. much a simulated gambling thing like a, a slot machine and there's actually a video of like i don't know if it's real or not but like of kids reacting to the polls they're getting and it's like really disheartening because they're like fucking ecstatic and you can already see like those signs like oh no like they they get they love the thrill they feel the defeat when they don't get it and they keep going um i think it's who how bad are your sales gonna hurt if this game's rated t for teen because all that's going to happen in my opinion i haven't given this a lot of thought but this is just my raw take all that's gonna happen you change it to t for teen okay you reprint the boxes. From what? Can you e. tell me what? From e. what? Okay. Okay. Continue. So, yeah, T would T would allow it to have the simulated gambling rating. Right. All that would happen is just like these little kids would have to get the game now. Mom and dad would come to the store and get them NBA. At that point, you are now legally abiding to what your own rules are in your rating system, and it's on the parents, like it should be, to decide if this product is okay or not for right. their youngling. And that they should protect <laughs> the their, their money. Yeah. <laughs> that that is my take on it. Change the rating; it's not going to hurt anyone. Two K will just be fine. It'll sell a lot like usual, but the the game will be acquired in the same means as if it was E. So I don't know what the fuck the fear is. You know, I, I really don't. Obviously, they're not going to rip out the mechanic. There's too much money to be made. So that's why I'm just saying change the rating. I, I'm very shocked that they wouldn't abide by their very own rules they've created. And I think, yeah, like we've seen in the past, if it continues to get out of hand, the, the government will start to get involved. But right. the games industry has a very, does a very good job of keeping the government out whenever they need to, um, to the point where we saw Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony get together to figure out something. Yeah, I would agree with all that. I, wanna, um, I want the government to not come in. So I would rather yeah. have them switch everything and just do whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really understand the T versus E. I'm sure there's some financial thing that they maybe where they can advertise, yeah. you know, that I'm not understanding. Maybe, but yeah, yeah. That's a good point. time to step up, time to step up and just change it. Yeah, because it. Remember when Mortal Kombat 11 
I know you really like it, and mm-hmm. I like it somewhat, but had the slot machine inside of the crypt. The crypts, yeah. And they're like, we don't have loot boxes. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, because you got a slot machine. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need a loot box. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys, NBA is, and, and NFL are just openly brazen about it, and I don't think that they're, it's a big price to pay for them if they want to be openly brazen to change it to T. That's that what makes, I'm saying. That if they're going to be open about it, they made a trailer. Like, they were... In a strange way, they were very direct about it. Like, they, hey, oh yeah, they were balls out, bro. Yeah, like, yeah, hey, they, they there's gonna be gambling out. in here, okay? Have fun. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. just reflect that product properly with the rating. And, yeah, and then right. at that point, it's on the parents, and you guys aren't held accountable. And then there's no government intervention because that's when the uproar starts. And uh, it's on the parents anyway, yeah. because dude, no, I mean, most kids under the T rating anyway aren't buying a fifty nine dollar. Exactly. So, That's what I'm saying. It doesn't change your yeah. purchasing process if it's M rated, completely different. Right. Um, yeah, for it's sure. Rated E. If you change it to T, that's still not so high. People, most parents are going to go, oh, it's basketball. Fuck it. You know, they're probably not even going to notice the T there. And maybe that's their path of thought. But I think at that point, you eliminate, if you're, if you're the ESRB, you eliminate that worry of, oh, man, will right. the government come in? Right. So why not do it? Like you said, self-regulation always has a tendency to be less overbearing mm-hmm. if you take care, if you do it versus an outside entity pretty yeah. much all the time. Like you can clean your room very well, but not perfectly. Parent probably won't bitch. But if a parent comes in and is like, we're going to clean your room, you're mm-hmm. like, this fucker's going to be spotless when we're done. Yeah. And that that's not what you want. You don't want outside. Really good point. Really good connection. All right. That's our last question. Our last subject for episode 220 of the Ham Radio Podcast. Carrick, as always, it was a pleasure. And I thought yes, of a indeed. little hashtag. Oh, shit. Here kind we go. Of, kind of a theme of the episode. Uh, set goals. I think hashtag yeah, set sure. goals. That's that, a good one. So if you got this deep, you want to let us know, you can go ahead and tag us on Twitter. We've had the same person two weeks in a row tag us on Twitter. And yep. just him. We want more than just one person. But we know we got a long show here. Uh, most people don't listen. Like once the topic wraps up, they just hear me say, "Oh, it's over." Um, so they <laughs> so they click off, they move on. But if you've listened this deep, take that extra moment, send us a tweet, let us know that you got this deep. We appreciate you deeply. And yeah, for sure, that will conclude this episode. Carrick, any final thoughts? No, other than uh, while you and I were talking, unless I missed this, Maddie, mm. forty-two minutes from who else? Game Informer of Outer Worlds. Wow. 42 minutes. I'm just saying. Wow. I don't understand what's going on with Game Informer, but goddamn, they can pull hard. And they're yeah. they're pulling all the hotties. I have yeah. no clue what's going on. We've talked about this in the past. <sighs> but if you guys are here, go check mm-hmm. that out. Because we haven't seen it. So if anybody asks why we don't talk about it, it's because we have not got to see it. There you go. All are, right. Are you gonna, real quick before oh, we end, are you going to yeah. watch it? Or is that too in-depth no, for you? No, that's too much. That's me too. too. Okay. I'm doing what I did with Borderlands. I'll cover any like little news blurbs for it, but for the most part, when it comes to actual gameplay and trailers, that's almost an hour. That's a lot. Yeah. I'm on blackout for it. Uh, That's what I did for Borderlands and it made it a lot more enjoyable. So uh, in the outer worlds, I'm really looking forward to like, I'm I'm saving my excitement and my coverage for when the game's here or when I hopefully get it in my hands. Same, same. So hashtag set goals. Yes, indeed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we look forward to hearing from you. We will see you guys next week on episode 221 and we'll chat soon. Peace out. Peace out.